Welcome to Hormones with Sam, your guide through the confusing world of hormone health. I'm your host, Sambo Patrick, here to help you demystify and unlock the secrets to living a vibrant, happy life. Together, let's make hormones fun and sexy. Hello and welcome to Hormones with Sam, where we make hormones fun and sexy. Today we're going to be talking about stress hormones, the impact that they have on your body and how they might be impacting on you without you even realising it. So stress is a hormone-induced response. It's a natural phenomenon that occurs in your body and it's life-saving. The whole idea of it is that it picks up things in your unconscious mind that it deems potentially life-threatening. Our whole body, it's quite incredible, is hardwired to procreate, to keep the species alive, and also for your survival. So with a very unconscious mind, your brain, your ears, your senses are absorbing information in your environment all the time, even when you're asleep, and taking that to other parts of the brain where it processes it to say, is this safe, friendly, or is this something I need to escape from rapidly? Now, the stress response, you might have heard of it being called the fright or flight freeze response. The whole idea is that when things get too much or your body thinks that potentially it's under harm, it can augment a massive response and get out of there promptly or stay there and fight for itself. So with that response, there's a whole cacophony of hormones behind the scenes that augment that. So let's break them down and look at the way or um, let me explain the ways that that might feel in your body and then what is actually happening at a cellular and a hormonal level. So let's say, I don't know, you're camping or as you know, 2,000 years ago and you're living up in a cave and you went to sleep. There's no Netflix back then. <laughs> you just kind of went, sun's out, time to sleep, put the fire out, off we go. And you heard a roar at the door. Could have been a bear. Now, at that point, your body's like, oh, my gosh, I heard what happened to Joan next door when the bear came to the cave. They had to fight that bear and your body has to, gets flooded with all these hormones very quickly so it can fight or make a decision to escape and run out of the cave away from the bear. So your brain gets activated. So stress activates our brain. It makes us feel, uh, you know, on alert. Our eyes dilate, so we take in all this information faster than we would normally if we were relaxed and certainly if we were asleep, but more importantly, if we were relaxed. Our heart starts going boom, 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 boom. And that's because we get flooded with hormones, which I'll explain in a second. Those hormones get the heartbeat going really quickly and deeper. So our cardiac output increases, so we can pump more blood around the body to get more sugar around to our muscles so we can utilise our body if we need to as a fighting machine or a running machine. You might feel it as palpitations. You might feel it as sweaty palms. You might get a surge of blood going to your head, which will be high blood pressure. And your body might shake because it's ready to go for action. Now, the hormones behind the scenes that create that response there's, in America, they call it epinephrine and norepinephrine. In Australia, we tend to call it, and uh, the UK, we tend to call it adrenaline and noradrenaline. There are a couple of other hormones that are really important in this process as well, those being cortisol and testosterone. But let's have a little look about, um, firstly, at adrenaline and noradrenaline. Adrenaline and noradrenaline are two incredible hormones. They're not in my top five, but, you know, they're pretty cool. They... Um, are released from our adrenal glands, so they're called adrenal hormones, 
And your adrenal glands are about the size of your thumbs and they sit on top of your kidneys, just under your rib cage. Incredible little powerhouse uh, glands, those ones. And they are continually squirting out amounts of noradrenaline and adrenaline that are critical for our blood vessels to stay nice and toned. That's what we would call them, nice and toned. And if that needs to go up to pump more blood pressure, we get this vasoconstriction. So the blood vessels tighten up. And because of the velocity going through there, the blood, the blood pressure will go up. And that's super important because that's the part that gets the racing around your body to get the sugar to the areas that we need it to go to, which are your muscles and your brain so it can think quicker. So epinephrine plays or um, uh, noradrenaline plays a massive role in that. Adrenaline tends to target the heart and also the blood vessels and it's the thing sometimes if you've had a shock, I don't know if it's ever happened on a birthday where some jumps out of a cupboard or you might have been in a cave and a bear's jumped out and you just go, oh, you catch yourself, you lose your breath for a second and you feel this boom, 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 boom. That's adrenaline. And it certainly can create that palpitating feeling inside your heart and it's very disconcerting. It can make people feel quite anxious if it's happening too frequently or regularly or if it's happening just if you're running late for an appointment. Those two hormones also play a role in releasing another hormone called insulin. And that's because at that point our body gets flooded with glycogen, which is stored sugar. We need to get that into the muscles so we get a surge in insulin. And that's sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had it, but you might get the shakes and, you know, you're trying to calm your hand down to do something. Maybe it's, you know, call emergency or something and you're finding that you're, you're tremoring because you've got this surge of insulin and adrenaline going through your body at the same time. Two hormones that I really want to focus on with this, though, because these are the insipidus hormones that are affecting people. And that's cortisol. Now, cortisol is a wonderful hormone and I'll explain the role in the body and how it helps us cope with stress. But if we're secreting it all the time, it's going to lead to belly fat, it's going to lead to blood sugar problems later in life and inflammation. So cortisol, once again, produced by the adrenal glands, powerhouse glands that they are, and the role of cortisol is to um, is manifold actually. It will... Uh, increase the secretion of insulin. So once again, we need that sugar to get out of the bloodstream where it's just been liberated into the cells so our muscles can run if they need to. Our brain can think more because brain loves using sugar for an energy source. It also plays a role with our 24-hour body clock and we're going to circle back to that because if you're releasing lots of cortisol due to stress at the end of the day, you're not going to be sleeping well and I'll explain that phenomena um, at the end. Cortisol plays a role with our, uh, our body to get augmented for something terrible. So it increases our inflammatory markers. Now, if you've ever been stressed for a prolonged period of time, you might have noticed that you get achy, that your joints hurt, that you get, you know, your back starts hurting, things get inflamed. And that's because of the prolonged cortisol. So it's really important if you want to have a less inflamed body to start managing stress and lowering cortisol. The other role that cortisol plays, which is very important in our modern day because it's one of the main contributors to heart disease, and that's cortisol goes up to the liver and the liver's a little organ that lives under your ribcage on one side and that's where cholesterol's made. So a role of cortisol is to start the process of cholesterol making. And the reason being, cholesterol lines up all our cells, so the cell membrane, 
Every cell in your body is uh, made from a cholesterol ring or a sterile ring and cortisol helps produce that. It does that because it thinks, oh, my God, there's a bear there. It might rip off my leg. I'm going to have to make a whole stack of new cells really quickly so I better liberate all this cholesterol. In fact, many moons ago when I was in pharmaceuticals, I was responsible for promoting a cholesterol-lowering agent for about two or three years and uh, you suspect a cardiologist. Uh, and then for one year I did audits for GPs and what I discovered was that many people were normal size that had high cholesterol. So you might have heard that, you know, people think you've got to be overweight and eating a terrible diet to have high cholesterol, but there's a large percentage. And the doctors I spoke to said it's probably in the vicinity of 25 to 30% of people with high cholesterol are normal weight. They are eating really well, but they're stressed. So very interesting. If you do have high cholesterol, obviously, you know, go and consult a health practitioner, but it might be an, um, an avenue for you to explore when it comes to lowering your cholesterol. The fourth hormone I really wanted to talk about today was testosterone. So this is where my research really has gone in my book, Beauty and the Beast Within, looking at testosterone and the impact um, that stress has upon it within women. In fact, in a later podcast, you'll be able to listen to polycystic ovary syndrome and the research I've done in that space with testosterone being a more a stress hormone rather than a sex hormone in women. So stress, a wonderful very quick intervention that the body can flip into like that. It's just like a switch and it's happy, happy, then right, game on. We need to defend ourselves. So the stress response is very instant. Uh, years, ago, years ago before and for many years I worked in intensive care and many of our patients were on adrenaline and noradrenaline and they were on little pumps and we used to be able to pull a little string and you're going to drip, 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 a bit of adrenaline and literally before your eyes their blood pressure would go up, their heart rate would go up and it saves lives. In fact, if you're having an anaphylaxis shock, that's what we'll use, adrenaline. And if you've ever watched any of those emergency shows on television uh, TV, you will hear them going, adrenaline, start, because it gets the body back out of uh, a slump, it gets the heart rate going and the blood pressure up and often saves a life. Now, in the, the short-term instance where your life's on the line, fantastic. But chronically, which means ongoing, when the stimulus isn't there anymore, chronic stress can be a real issue. And in fact, in my experience in my clinic, I've worked out that there's a big disparity between what people will deem something to be stressful and the response that they're actually generating in their body because they just become numb to it. They think, oh, no, you know, well, they might say, yeah, work's just stressful, you know, kind of brought it, you know, just work's stressful and just be flippant about it. But if work is stressful, then your body is responding in a stress way, then you'll be having and experiencing chronic stress. A lot of it is unconscious. A lot of the things we do in our life, you know, 80, 90% of the decision-making that goes on behind the scenes in this beautiful computer, our brain, is unconscious. And we will start finding things that aren't necessarily life-threatening, triggering for stress. So our body's like, oh my gosh, life-threatening situation. But it might be simple things like, come on kids, we're running late for school. Well, oh my gosh, where are your shoes? No one can find the shoes. I'll do a couple of mother scenarios or parent scenarios for you. I had many years of this. We're like, come on, guys, it's time to go to school. And you'd look at them and they'd just be playing games. It's like, where's the uniforms? Where are the uniforms? Oh my gosh, where are the uniforms? And, you know, suddenly these moments that really aren't life threatening become very stressful, particularly if they're time driven. 
get the kids, try and find a car park at school or you might need to get to work, you might run late for the train or the bus, can't find a car park at the work venue or realise that you left some work at home or forgot that you had an important meeting and you're dressed in civvies or, you know, on it goes. And throughout the day in the work environment there are many stressful things that occur that are not life-threatening. I'll rattle off a few more for you in case you relate to some of these. Emails that are sent from somebody you don't like. Emails from the boss. Notice I put them in two different categories because many people like their boss. Sometimes the two go hand in hand. Uh, Emails with deadlines, people bringing forward deadlines, getting emails at night, phone messages at night. And I've noticed as well over the uh, lockdown periods, a lot of people working from home, they're now saying that the biggest burnout in the work employee is occurring from people who are working from home. And that's because the delineation between, oh, I've clocked off, you know, it's five o'clock, work's finished, isn't as strong. So when emails come through at 7.30 at night or people have an unrealistic expectation of a quick return, people are replying. So instead of working what would be deemed a healthy kind of work day, the six to eight hours, they're working 10, 12 hours when they should be out exercising or switching their brain off and dropping their cortisol and starting to do nighttime activities. So chronic stress is a massive issue in most Western worlds. And in fact, I'd say that's even filtered through now to developing countries as well. Now, what happens with chronic stress? Adrenaline, noradrenaline continually being pumped out. The adrenals are continually producing those hormones, as well as you're making cortisol at some level as well. And for fertile girls, the high testosterone is a real issue if they're trying to conceive and they want to have a healthy cycle. But we'll loop back to that in the polycystic ovary and endometriosis. We'll talk about that in a later episode. With chronic stress, so those four hormones are being churned out regularly over the day, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. The cumulative issues are such. You can end up with heart rate issues, skipping in and out. Now, the heart's a muscle. It takes a lot of minerals to keep that muscle healthy, magnesium. It needs omega-3s, nice iron levels, calcium, potassium. And if you're continually getting it to go up and down without any true stress, life-threatening stress, you're going to wear that muscle out. High blood pressure is another issue because remember that vasoconstriction that occurs with the noradrenaline and adrenaline to get the blood pumping quicker around your body with higher velocity, that can have a negative impact on the inside lining of your capillaries and certainly your arteries. Now, we call this hypertension and one of the major causes of hypertension in developed countries is stress and that's why adrenaline and noradrenaline causing the vasoconstriction when we're not in a life-threatening situation but just due due to something we've deemed as stressful. We know that hypertension is one of the leading causes of stroke and heart disease. We know that high blood pressure is one of the major causes for wearing out kidneys and chronic kidney disease. It also has a negative impact behind the eyes in the retina and can lead to macular degeneration and other eye issues. It also can lead to stroke and heart disease. Having a heart muscle that's beating all the time unnecessarily in a non-life-threatening situations, can also in time wear the heart muscle out and it certainly chews up a lot of minerals such as magnesium and potassium and calcium. Now, just a little health hack here, if, if you have cramps, 
in your calves or when you exercise or twitchy eye muscle or heart palpitations, very often you've used up some of those minerals. I recommend the hair test for that. There are other ways to test it, but that's just a, you know, obviously consult a practitioner before you go and try this information, but general information only, it's a very common phenomena. The inflammation that goes with cortisol chronically will have dire effects on your body. It may lead to things like arthritis, um, sore joints, and once again, those aches and pains that don't need to be there. Now, your adrenal glands that are producing these hormones, they're only tiny little things. They're the size of your thumbs. Now, if you're getting these super-powered hormones to continually churn out hormones, they too need a break and they too can become fatigued. Now, years ago, if you went to a GP and you said, I think I've got adrenal fatigue, they just would have gone, oh my goodness, you've been speaking to a naturopath, have you? Now it's a recognised phenomena. Burnout is a medically recognised phenomena that is occurring more people than ever before. In fact, in Australia, it's reported through the Australian Bureau of Statistics that burnout is affecting 50% of people in the workplace. That's a very high figure. I worked out it's about 7 million Australians who are suffering with some degree of burnout. So does it need to be that way? Absolutely not. We need to start recognising what we're deeming as stressful and life-threatening, discerning it between, well, maybe that isn't something I feel comfortable with, but my life is not under threat right now. So what are, the some, te- what are some of the techniques that you might employ to manage your stress? And in fact, I think education is really important. So I use saliva testing in uh, my clinic and there's, there'll be a note in the show notes where you can order one of those for yourself. And that'll highlight what your cortisol levels are doing, what your, no, we don't measure adrenaline and noradrenaline, that would be a, uh, a lab rat phenomena, but I also measure testosterone. So you can do that on a saliva test, men and women can test that hormone. So what are some techniques and behaviours or lifestyle uh, strategies you can introduce to your life that aren't going to cost lots of money that you can start today that'll help you mitigate the stress? Well, I think the knowledge and knowing where your body's at is really important. It's one of the most motivating tools that I see when people say, for example, receive a saliva test. It's irrefutable. It's their information and they go, okay, right, my cortisol's through the roof. But I just thought I was okay and the belly fat was just there because I don't know why. It's like, well, here's a causative reason why that's occurring. And it's a real, this is your information, this is your data, and it's one of the most powerful educative tools that I know. So understanding more about the hormones too is really important. In fact, I've put together an online hormone course so people can discover more about these hormones, how they feel in the body, how they respond, and things you can do. So education, super duper important. But what can you do today? Well, understanding and start going, do I need to worry about that? Just start checking in with yourself. If you notice that you're running late, say, for an appointment and you can't find a car park and you're getting a little bit stressed, you might be getting a bit hot under the collar or irritated, just start going, is this a life-threatening situation? Am I going to die right now? If not, then just, you know, chill out. I had to do that at one point in my life. I had to really bring myself in. They call it mindfulness. I had to start going, you know, is is anyone going to die now? No, stop this. You know, just stop it and become that little internal coach inside your mind that's not going, you're you're running late, you're this, you're that. Instead, bring the other coach in that says, is anyone going to die? No. Well, just deal with it, you know, just deal with it. And bring your stress levels down because it's that quick. 
you can take your stress levels from really high to really low very quickly. So mindfulness, also very important. Deep breathing has been employed by many uh, specialists in this space and works incredibly well. Research has shown again and again that a deeper breath and, in fact, most people who have stress or irritation or anxiety tend to only use the top third of their lung. Now, if you can imagine that your tummy is like a balloon and your lungs are also like balloons, but we need to use our tummy balloon first, a nice, deep, slow breath. And I'll demonstrate it because it's pretty hard to do. In fact, you can't do a proper breath um, without breaking the stress pattern. So if you put a hand on your chest, hand on your tummy, and just try and breathe by not moving your top hand, only the hand that's on your tummy. I'll just try and demonstrate it because it's probably reverse of what I'm doing right now. Now, I know if you're listening to the audio, that was probably quite boring, but what I was doing there was demonstrating that my tummy, um, my hand on my tummy was the only hand moving. I wasn't using any air into my lungs. Well, they were getting there, but after my tummy had moved, which is the diaphragm dropping, and I felt a radical difference in my body's physiology. I felt it relax very quickly. You can't really do deep breaths and be stressed or anxious. You just can't. They're physiologically impossible. So teaching yourself to breathe is one of the most powerful ways to manage stress. Now, you can find plenty of on-store apps uh, that might be a breathing app. You can listen to meditation and mindfulness, which will also take you through guided meditation, and many of them utilise breathing as part of lowering stress. It works very efficiently. And I say to my clients that this is all rehearsal. So when stuff's getting real, your body's already rehearsed not to get hyper aroused and to breathe slower and deeper, which helps your body respond so much better. I was reading this morning, interesting about tapping. So tapping also can lower cortisol and stress hormones. Now, I'm not an expert in tapping, but if you look up on uh, YouTube and look up tapping, uh, a girlfriend of mine, Sally Thibault, is very good at tapping. And you can do lots of things and that will also lower cortisol and stress hormones. In terms of lifestyle, getting out and about, massive fan of exercise. If you've just imagined having a really pent-up day that's full of like incident after incident after incident that might be life-threatening, you might be in the front line, you might be a police officer, fiery, ambo, uh, nurse, uh, or you might be dealing with the public service in a um, public servant role, or you might be running your own business, or you might be on site with tools, or you might be pulling coffees for people who are very demanding on their way to work. Making sure that when you leave work that you go and exercise or do some downshifting before you take that into your home will help switch those stress hormones down. Now, I'm a fan of exercising before and after work because it just allows your body to get rid of all that frenetic energy that it's just worked up because it thought its life, it thought your life was under threat. So getting all those hormones out, allowing your body to go for a little bit of a, a spin, very important. It doesn't necessarily matter what exercise it is as long as you're moving. In terms of stress and food, 
The last thing I'd say on lifestyle changes that you can do, you really need to be mindful about how much you're stimulating your body. If you're in a stressful, stimulating role as it is, you may not need to have 16 coffees a day because coffee will um, stimulate your adrenal glands. They're already going to be ramped up because psychologically you're taking them there. So having other stimulants may not be necessary. And watch out for things like uh, sinusitis preparations that have pseudoephedrine in them. Even the word ephedrine is a giveaway that it's stimulating your hormones, which is why some people um, legally take them to drive cars for long distances or trucks, for example, because it keeps them awake and it stimulates their adrenals. Now, a couple of times in your life that you really need to be mindful of when stress is being incredibly harmful. Now, that is when you're trying to fall pregnant. If you're looking to fall pregnant, now, girls, just take yourself through this, and guys, you'll relate to this as well. Do you think your body wants to have conceive and slow down and have a child if you're telling it that life's really stressful? Of course not. Your body's in I'm protecting you mode. It's not going to embark on a new activity like fertility. So one of the major impeders for or impedance factors for women falling pregnant is high testosterone because your body does not want you to fall pregnant. It's stressed. It's got enough to deal with. And it seems like contra. You know, you can that makes sense, yeah? So, you know, why do you, why would you be wanting to sit down and nurture and have a baby when you're telling it that you're under the pump all the time? Through fertility, we train our babies through our catecholamines, our adrenaline, noradrenaline, to be um, used to that level of hormone. So it's very important when you are with child and pregnant, that you're mindful that you're downshifting and once again going, is this a really life-threatening situation or am I just being overreactive here and I don't need to worry about it? Your baby will adopt your hormones. So you need to um, consider your baby that's growing inside you and the exposure to stress hormones that it might be getting through your thoughts and every day. And then once the baby's born, it is a pretty stressy time. Having this thing that relies on you, you're lacking sleep, it's trying to feed off you, can be remarkably stressful. In fact, it's pretty controversial, but I would love to see all women who've just had babies and who can put their career on hold for a little bit, take that time out to nurture that relationship, not have time pressures on them and allow that um, beautiful relationship to develop. If there's stress on there, like got 10 minutes to feed you, child, feed. Um, stress hormones will switch off your milk production and then it becomes a very stressful situation for both of you. Baby doesn't get the nice letdown of the fat at the end of the uh, feed and will be crying a lot more frequently. You'll be having to feed it a lot more regularly. You'll be getting angry and tighter and the situation implodes. So trying to be as relaxed as possible during breastfeeding is one of the key things you can do for yourself. And the other time I'll talk about stress is going through menopause. So menopause will occur any time after 40, typically 45 to 55, and during that time those powerhouse adrenal glands need to start producing the sex hormones that the egg was producing. Now if they're burnt out, I have a, in my book, but, um, Chill Out or Burn Out, I refer to burnout in four different phases. But if you're in the second, third or fourth phase of burnout, you will really struggle to make and transition during menopause to make those sex hormones. So it's a good idea during menopause to know you're coming into it for one, prep your body, but definitely if you're going through it, altered periods, maybe some flushes, some broken sleep, just step back. Look at what's happening in your life. 
How are you going with stress? Are there things there that you can change? Can you stress less? Can you start being your best coach when it comes to stress? So with stress, the up, the amping hormone, so if we imagine that stress is a response, uh, it's a switch that goes on and there's only two states in the body, on or off. So the hormones that turn it on, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol and testosterone. Now, fantastic for the body's sake, we have some hormones that switch it off. Acetylcholine is the vagal nerve hormone. I love acetylcholine, but even more than that is oxytocin and dopamine. So oxytocin, and I talk about this in my hormone course, is secreted when we're doing fun activities. When we're in love, when we're losing ourselves in creating something or dancing or meeting people or hugging, so oxytocin will drop our stress hormones just like that. In fact, you can't be stressed and relaxed at the same time. They're polar opposite states. So learning how to switch on oxytocin through green light activities will drop your stress and help you manage things like weight loss become more fertile, if you want to become more fertile, uh, make those menopause hormones. So green light activities, very important for oxytocin production. Dopamine is also a very important hormone. And once again, dopamine's our fun and pleasure hormone. You can't be worried and experiencing stress and fun and pleasure at the same time. They're opposite states. So making sure that you boost up your dopamine will also drop your stress, which is why creativity, music, dancing, uh, being outside, walking in nature will increase your dopamine and you'll manage your stress hormones a lot better. I said I'd loop back to sleep. When your cortisol is up, you'll not be making melatonin. These are opposite hormones. So at the end of the day, very important that you bring in those stress management uh, strategies I was talking about so your cortisol goes down and that will allow your melatonin to come on. So you'll start feeling sleepy, you'll be able to go to bed and you'll be able to have a nice, deep, restful sleep. Without it, with lots of cortisol buzzing through your body, you're not going to have a restful sleep and you'll wake many times and in the morning you'll wake up feeling like you haven't slept at all. So very important as part of overall health, managing weight, managing your sleep, managing your sex hormones, feeling great about life and having a healthy heart and body as you go through life is managing stress and becoming recognising the stress symptoms within your body. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify and please be sure to leave a five-star review. Thank you and I look forward to catching up with you on the next podcast.